This week on Worldview, as the Taliban takes more cities, more provinces and inches closer to Kabul, what are India's options? Hello and welcome to Worldview at the Hindu with me, Sohasini Heather. The Taliban's advance across Afghanistan is unprecedented. Since America's deal to pull out, the Taliban's moved rapidly, by one estimate, now controlling more than half the country's 400 districts. The armed group tried to take Ghazni three years ago but failed. This time, it had control in a matter of hours. Now, events in Afghanistan are moving faster than the speed of analysis, so I do need to apologize right at the start if any of what I'm telling you now gets dated in the next few days. The Taliban says it's claimed more than 14 of 34 Afghan provinces and cities, big cities, including Lashkargah, Ghazni, Herat, and even Kandahar. The claims, I have to say, are themselves questionable because in most areas, the Taliban soldiers have been simply seen uh, filming, walking into uh, cities. They don't seem to be experiencing any pushback or any fighting required in order to do so. Now, this could mean that may, they may not be able to hold on to many of these areas if Afghan forces actually made a strong push to reclaim them. But for the moment, that pushback, that counterattack is not coming. Many now wonder if Kabul will be next and how soon that could happen. Now, several factors do explain the sudden and dramatic gains made by the Taliban just in the past few days. Uh, to begin with, the Afghanistan National Defense and Security Forces, the ANDSF, led by President Ashraf Ghani, still seem to lack training, ammunition, uh, supplies, and most of all, a fully equipped air force with trained pilots. It is clear that has not yet happened. Secondly, morale in the ANDSF has clearly plummeted over the U.S.'s decision to complete its pullout so quickly. It was expected over time, but perhaps not uh, even before the final date of August 31st. The pullout from the U.S.'s biggest Bagram air base, for example, happened practically overnight, with reports that uh, American commanders didn't even wait to hand over to the Afghan commanders. Meanwhile, the U.S. airstrikes that were meant to stop the Taliban from taking over cities have not made a mark. Either they have not taken place or they have not been effective. Thirdly, in many, in, in many places, what we've seen is local governments, warlords and officials have withdrawn from defending territories. Either they cut a deal with the Taliban or they leave quietly before the Taliban militia arrives. In areas where there have been exceptions, like in mazar e sharif however, uh, the Taliban has been held off by commanders like Atanur and Dostam and their forces. What stands out really is the absence of the National Northern Alliance commanders of the past who were able to fight the Taliban way back in 2001. Now, unlike governments and responsible actors, the Taliban, which is essentially a terrorist organization, has had no problems in saying one thing through its negotiators in Doha and doing another thing on the ground. This is another reason that's become apparent. It hasn't, for example, kept its promises in the, in the U.S. Taliban agreement of February 2020 to work on a permanent ceasefire, to cut links with groups like al-Qaeda and IS, uh, to ensure that released Taliban prisoners don't rejoin the war, and to hold intra-Afghan negotiations in earnest. Uh, about the only commitment, in fact, that the Taliban has kept is the one not to attack U.S. forces and civilians, which now seems to be a tactical move to ensure that the U.S. actually did finish the pullout. 
Now, those worries have been heightened by the actions of the U.S. just in the past few days. Uh, the U.S. Defense Secretary announced they will send in 3,000 extra troops in order to evacuate the remaining 3,000 American troops who are in Afghanistan. That indicates that the U.S. doesn't even trust the Taliban to ensure the safe uh, pullout of American troops. Let's turn now to where India's concerns are at present, and they're manifold. In the past year, since it became clear that the U.S. troops would leave, India has actually pared down its diplomatic presence in Afghanistan. In April 2020, the government flew uh, home all Indian staff at its missions in Herat and Jalalabad. At the time, they said it was because of COVID, but it seems quite clear that they have not gone back for security reasons. On July 10th this year, the government then shut down the Kandahar consulate, also bringing back all the Indian personnel. And in August, the Mazar-e-Sharif consulate was shut down as well. The, the Kabul embassy, which is really India's only mission there now, has put out stern advisories also telling all Indian citizens to leave Afghanistan as soon as possible on the commercial flights that are running right now. In addition, the MEA has said India is watching the situation for Sikh and Hindu minorities in Afghanistan and will facilitate their exit. However, the MEA has said nothing about other Afghans who might take refuge in India. Since the 1980s, remember, thousands of Afghans have taken shelter in India, fleeing the violence there, including senior officials and their families like former President Hamid Karzai, uh, former CEO and now peace negotiator Dr. Abdullah Abdullah as well. However, with the Modi government making a push for the Citizenship Amendment Act that speaks of only a few religious minorities from neighboring countries, it is unclear whether New Delhi will welcome all Afghans as it did before. India is also bracing for the impact of the Taliban now coming to power possibly in much of Afghanistan in several other ways. Uh, firstly, Taliban rule is expected to bring back the brutality of the past, summary executions, mistreatment of women uh, and minorities uh, in particular will be a worry. A Taliban regime, remember, will also have much fewer international partners and as a result, much less aid coming in and development and democracy will both suffer. Secondly, the Taliban militia have been fighting and training alongside anti-India groups like the lashkar e toiba and the jaish e Mohammed, some of whom have bases in Afghanistan in places like Helmand. Uh, and the space for them to carry out attacks against India will grow. So another big security concern there. Thirdly, the Taliban in power will effectively give Pakistan's military and intelligence control over the country's workings. It will also possibly open Afghanistan for trade. Uh, but with Central Asian countries and Pakistan, not with India, and will not pursue possibly that alternate route of trade through Chabahar through, to India that India was working on. Uh, fourthly, the Taliban has already threatened Indian-built infrastructure investments. Zaranj Dilaram Highway is one of those, Salma Dam, and others may, may come under threat. Now, when the MEA was asked about these, they essentially said that these had now been handed over to Afghanistan. And so this was beyond India's remit. Finally, there is the threat of growing radicalization and the impact on the region of a group like the Taliban coming to power in India's neighborhood. Now, this, remember, was the impact that was seen in the aftermath of the last pullout by foreign troops in Afghanistan, where US-backed Mujahideen defeated the Soviets, but also the rise of Al-Qaeda and Islamic State after the US wars in Iraq and in, in 1990 and 2003, and then finally in 2011. So this is an area to watch closely as well. 
Given all of this, what are India's options at present? And I'll list them out for you in no particular order of, uh, their, of their likelihood. The first, India could stick to its principles, continue to back the Ghani government politically and with humanitarian support. But that may not have staying power much longer and it may not make much of a difference. Secondly, India could go one step further, supply the ANDSF with military support, possibly via the Iranian route, weapons, ammunition and even air power that is much needed. But again, this would make India a target as well. Third, India could accelerate contacts with the Taliban. So go on the other side. And especially if there is a power sharing arrangement that allows the Taliban into government in Kabul, that could be useful. Fourthly, India could simply wait and watch take part in the regional conferences on Afghanistan, but otherwise do nothing until the chaos of conflict really reveals a winning side. And that may take any amount of time. Put plainly, there are really no easy options for India, as Afghanistan appears to be an unending, unwinnable war, especially as long as Pakistan continues to help the Taliban with supplies, safe havens and support. And on the other hand, countries like Russia, China, Iran, uh, and other world leaders make peace with a Taliban regime. What equally seems to be clear for India is that by pursuing this manner of exit, the US has done India no favors and left a looming threat to India's western frontier, even as the US seeks to broaden its engagement with India and draw it into the US-China conflict to its east. Clearly, this is a rapidly developing story. So do go to www.thehindu.com. Uh, there's a lot of analysis. My colleague Stanley Johnny talking about the specifics of the Taliban's advances. We also have some book recommendations for you. There's a soon to be released, so I haven't read it yet, book called The US and NATO's Withdrawal from Afghanistan by researcher Musa Khan Jalalzai. Uh, there are very interesting books about just how things came to this pass. There's Directorate S. Uh, the CIA and America's Secret Wars in Afghanistan and Pakistan by Steve Call that also tells you really about how the Taliban has been growing and Pakistan's role in this. Uh, the, the other book on the same lines is The Wrong Enemy by Carlotta Gall that looks at America and Afghanistan from 2001 to 2014. Uh, there's, a, a, there's a memoir of sorts by Christina Lamb, the journalist called Farewell Kabul from Afghanistan to a More Dangerous World, a first-person account. Uh, and two books by Afghan women to remind you of what life under the Taliban really was for them. The Favoured Daughter and another called The Letters to My Daughters by Fawzia Kufi. And there's another author, Latifa, Latifa, who has written My Forbidden Face, Growing Up Under the Taliban. Finally, to look uh, more optimistically at what Afghanistan, Pakistan and India could uh, achieve in the region if there was peace is a book by Afghanistan's former ambassador to India, Dr. Shahida Abdali, uh, a book called Afghanistan, Pakistan and India. But that's all we have time for here on Worldview this week. Do join us again next week and from the team here. Thanks for watching.